Blog Talk Radio.
Shalom, shalom, shalom. Layalat Tawab, which means good night or good evening in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew. I'm your brother, your friend, your host as always, Tazapah, and welcome to another edition of Bible Talk, y'all. I hope everybody's healthy. hope everybody is uh, in good spirits. Uh, Hold on for just a second, y'all. Sorry about that one, y'all. Welcome to the show, y'all. If it's your first time tuning in, uh, welcome to FYI, which means for your information. And this is a show that uh, I do that is not set up like my Tuesday broadcast, which I do about an hour of current events, news, things of that nature before I get into the show. Uh, This particular uh, show is just based off a topic, and uh, this one comes from question and uh, (laughs) some things that I have have been seeing that – was circulating around Israel. And to be honest with y'all, this has been like a a hot-button topic in Israel for quite a number of years, Uh, that topic being the baptism. So to baptize or not to baptize, I guess, (laughs) would be the question. But I titled this class Purification. Um, The first half of the class, if you've been tuning in, I hope you have, I dealt with the water aspect of baptism, and we found out that the water was uh, symbolic. It was symbolic for cleanliness, and the most I had to give us something that we were familiar with, because you can go back and uh, read the Old Testament, and you find out that water was used a lot as a cleaning agent. Um, So the most High gave us that to bring us into the baptism of John. Um, and John was baptizing for the remission of sins, to be forgiven for sins. But John ushered the way for Christ's baptism, which Christ was going to come and baptize us with. What's known in the scriptures as the Holy Ghost, we know it's properly translated as the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God, which we got into, um, I think, maybe like the second part of the class. This is part four. Uh, and then last week, we got into the fire, being baptized by fire, and we're going to continue there this week and work our way up to uh, Christ's blood, being baptized in blood. So uh, before we get started, let me go ahead and um, send shouts out to our affiliated schools. The brothers here, uh, SOT, Sword of Truth, uh, the brothers here in San Antonio, led by a war uh, shouts out also to uh, the stream of knowledge. I'm sorry, stream of wisdom. I always get messed up. Stream of wisdom down in uh, H Town uh, under the leadership of Brother uh, Kwatazak. Also sending shots out to Kazakia up in VA. He's also uh, a branch, uh, actually started the school of uh, stream of wisdom. Shouts out to Zainala in Rochester. Shout out to our brothers and sisters in um, California, in Canada, Albuquerque, 
And shout out to Kawakab down in Guatemala. Shout out to the 12 tribes, to the 12 tribes that are scattered worldwide throughout the four corners of the globe, y'all. <clears throat> so let me go ahead and get into it. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, and it reads, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, how would be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on the daily, y'all, so we can get the hell on, y'all. All right, let's get Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high brought you to he'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it. Please believe me. All right, y'all. So let's go ahead and dig into the class. So last week we covered being baptized um, by the fire. So let's go back and do a small recap. Before we jump on in to the blood. So let's go to, let's see, let's go to Matthew chapter 3. And I want to send shouts out also, man, to, to all the listeners of Blog Talk that's been supporting Blog Talk and all the feedback uh, you brothers and sisters have been giving over the years, man. We greatly appreciate it. Um, and it's not uh, that we teach um, for feedback or pats on the back or anything of that nature. We have no agenda. Curb blog talk, we do it. Because the Most High said, because Yahweh Shai said, freely you, have, freely you have received, freely you should give. But I just want you brothers and sisters to know that, excuse me, <clears throat> y'all listening in and y'all feedback, y'all support, y'all questions that y'all keep coming with, man, are greatly Greatly, greatly appreciate it, man. Um, so, uh, shout out to y'all. Y'all keep coming, man. Keep coming with the questions, please. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. And it reads, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Now, this is John the Baptist speaking. He says, and John the Baptist did baptize with water. Once again, the water was being used symbolically as a cleaning agent. But this was not the baptism that Christ was going to be baptizing with, as he's going to let us know in the scripture. So reading again from the top, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Now keep in mind what he's saying here. He says, unto repentance. Repentance means to change. So John the Baptist, I'm sorry, John the Baptist was baptizing the Israelites, the people of the Most High, so that they might change. It was not just about the water. As we, as I went over, as I beat the dead horse countless times, water does not make you have a change of mind. It does not change your conscience. It does not change your spirit. It just cleans your body. So this is why John the Baptist had to let the Israelites know, <clears throat> reading it again, 
Matthew 3, 3, 3 and 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So he's letting us know that there's a distinction between the baptism that he's doing and the one that Christ is bringing. And he also said that he ain't worthy to strap Christ's shoes up. So if John the Baptist is not worthy to strap Christ's shoes up, then should we really be choosing his baptism over the baptism that Christ is going to bring? And I ask this question because, you know, religion has started a whole Baptist church out of John the Baptist baptizing people. And people really do believe that water is the end-all, be-all, when that's not the case, y'all. That's not the case at all. Because if it was the case, and I was bringing this out last week, then why are we not setting people on fire? Why are we not pouring gas on people and just throwing a mask to them and setting them on fire because Christ said he was going to baptize with fire? I mean, I know that sounds absurd for me to say. Y'all might think a lot of times they're probably tripping, but they're doing the same thing with the water and thinking that the water is going to give this change. <laughs> so wouldn't it be... Uh, Logical to set people on fire and assume that the fire is going to bring the change too? That's an absurd way of thinking, but the scriptures let you know that it's more to it than that, a lot more. So dealing with the fire aspect, because it said that Christ is going to baptize with fire, let's get Jeremiah chapter 23. We're going to start at verse 29 to get what this fire is. Once again, y'all, uh, all the scriptures we're going over now, I went over these last week, but we're just recapping because it's going to lead us right into the uh, last portion of this class. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, and it reads, is not my word like as fire. <laughs> I hope y'all hearing this. He said, is not my word like as fire. Who's this speaking? Watch this, said the Lord. So this is the most high speaking. He's saying, is not my word like a fire? What does fire do? It burns you. It burns impurities out of things, such as gold. And the scriptures tells that gold is tried by in, in the fire, and they so, so are acceptable men. This is what fire does, but the Most High is saying his word is just like a fire. It burns the impurities out, out of our conscience, out of our mind, if we apply it, we know. And like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. So what is the Most High's word designed to do? It's designed to break your thought process up in pieces. It's designed to burn your thought process down so the most highest thought process could be ushered in. I hope everybody's getting this. Matter of fact, let me prove this. Let 
Here we go. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> this is the most high speaking. His thoughts have to be put inside of our heads. The way of doing things right, that has to be put inside of our heads. You don't just be born knowing right from wrong, contrary to popular belief. You know, you might hear people say, everybody knows right from wrong. No, everybody does not know right from wrong. This is why we had to be given a book of instructions to instruct us on what's right and what's wrong. This is why the Most High says this, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 again. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. So we have a totally different way of doing things, and it's always going to be based off the way we feel, our emotions, our natural carnal instinct. But what we need to pull us back from all of that is the, the way the Most High said to do things. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, listen to this, <laughs> the heavens is higher than the earth. Now watch this. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we need a book to get us on the thinking, to get us on the level with the most high. We need some type of instructions. We ain't just going to come up with this on our own. I hope you all seeing this. All right, let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 23, read verse 29 again. Now reading it with much understanding. Is not my word like as a fire, said the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. So this is the baptism by fire. It's the word of the Most High that baptizes you, that puts you in that fire, that puts you in that uncomfortable situation to get the best, to bring the best out of you by applying the word of the Most High. Now let's get Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 14. Once again, y'all, just tune in. I'm just recapping from last week. We're going to definitely continue on with this. So Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 14. Wherefore, thus said the Lord God of hosts, because ye speak this word, <laughs> behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people would. What people? The Israelites. What does fire do to wood? It burns it up. And it shall devour them. Why is the word going to devour? What's it going to devour in us? Our carnal mind, our fleshly instinct. All right, let's get Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 17. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 17. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. The light of Israel is talking about Christ, y'all. We, I'm going to prove it. But it says that he's going to be for a fire. And remember, you can go to St. John chapter 1 and verse 1. It tells you in the beginning was the word. And then it tells you in that same chapter that the word was made flesh, and that word being Christ. So Christ is the word or the fire or the light that's going to burn us up, that's going to burn all the carnal thoughts, 
all the carnal impulses out of us. Reading it once again, uh, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 17. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. All right, I said I was going to prove that this was Christ. So let's get Psalms chapter 119 and verse 104. Psalms chapter 119, verse 104. Thy word is a lamp. Here it is. Thy word. Now, who's the word once again? Christ. According to St. John chapter 1 and uh, verse 1, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So what is the word designed to do? To guide us, man. If you got a light on a dark path, then that's your guide. So that's what the word is designed to do, to guide us like a light on our dark pathways through life, man. All right, let's get uh, Proverbs 6 and 23. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp. What's a lamp? It's a light. And the commandment is the most high's words. It says, and the law is light. <laughs> What's the light once again? Yahavashah. It says, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And that's our problem, man. We don't like being reproved. We don't like being corrected. We don't like being checked. You know, we're stubborn people, man. You know, and it's all right to, to not know what you're doing because a lot of us don't as far as navigating life, as far as being a, um, a good man, a good husband, a good father, a good woman, uh, a good wife, a good mother, a good sister, a good brother. Most of us don't have any idea how to do those things. And when it's brought to our attention <laughs> that we don't know what we're doing, most of us anyway, We'll be resentful that the person even brought it up and turn hateful because the person's embarrassing us, the person's making us feel lesser than what we really are because we got so much pride, man. If you don't know what you're doing, it's okay. But the problem is to not know what you're doing and not want to take instruction on how to do it the right way. That's where the problem lies, man. And that's the problem we have as a nation and as a people. All right, let's get uh, we're gonna stay in Proverbs and we're gonna jump. Proverbs chapter twenty nine, verse twenty seven. I hope this is right, man. My little chicken scratch. Um, it might be twenty. Let's try twenty or twenty seven. I think that's it. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction. Cease means to stop. The Most High says stop. Stop, my son, to hear the instruction that caused it to err from the words of knowledge. 
He said, man, stop listening to people tell you how to do stuff. You're doing it the wrong way. He should be doing it the way I told you to do. He said, stop doing that because it's causing you to error, to error in your life because you're walking away from the words of knowledge, which is what? The Bible, which is the fire that we're supposed to be getting baptized with. Hope y'all see this. All right, from there, let's get Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and we're going to start at verse 1. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. The word beseech means to beg. So this is Paul speaking. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies, listen to what he's saying, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, he said to present your bodies a living sacrifice, living, not a, not a, a, a dead sacrifice. That would be a, once, a one-time sacrifice. Because you go into the, the Old Testament, you find out how we used to sacrifice animals up to be forgiven for sin. We would kill them. If it was dead, it was over. But this says a living sacrifice, meaning what? That you need to be sacrificing a part of you, a part of your old carnal self, your carnal mind, your carnal way of thinking, your hate, hateful ways, your hateful way of doing things, your dishonest ways of doing things, your sinful mentality. You need to be sacrificing that a part of that every day. Then he says, that's our reasonable service. service. And why is it reasonable? It's reasonable, because, it's reasonable because Christ sacrificed his body. He gave up his life. That's why it's reasonable. So some, the, the evil in us, the sin in us, that should be dying on a daily now watch this part, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what needs to be renewed in us? Our conscience. Our conscience needs to be renewed. Not, not your body. The, the water, the, that ain't going get, to get your conscience renewed. That ain't going to get your spirit renewed. I hope y'all seeing this. matter of fact, let me get this also. Let's get First Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. And it reads, the life figure were unto even baptism, don't also now save us. So baptism does save us, but what type of baptism? 
It's that baptism that Christ was coming with. The Holy Ghost, which is also known as the Comforter, which is also known as the Spirit of Truth, which is also known as that fire. Read it again, 1 Peter 3 and 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So just like it's telling us in Romans, having our mind renewed means to have your conscience renewed, to stop doing the stuff that you were doing that upsets the most high. Stop doing the stuff that you was doing that you know ain't right. But a lot of us, we want to hang on to that. And that's why a lot of us be trying to hang on to that water baptism, thinking that it's the end-all, be-all, and it's just uh, this miraculous experience I'm going to have to where now I'm going to just start doing right. It ain't that easy, y'all. To really be renewed in your spirit, to really be baptized, that requires work. And to be honest with y'all, man, ain't that many people willing to do it because it's hard. It's hard to constantly be battling yourself, constantly to be battling, battling your natural impulses. Going back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2 again. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the Most High. So this is acceptable. This is the will of the Most High for our minds to be renewed, to be made all over, to be, not to sound cliche as to churchify, but to be reborn or born again, I should say. So that's what the fire is. The fire is definitely the word of the most high. Once again, that burns, that purifies all the negative out of us, if we apply it. Now, let's deal with the blood. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Because you probably heard this. I know they got that song. When I was putting this together, I couldn't help but sing that. <laughs> the church touch song. Or you washed in the blood of the Lamb. So what does it mean to be washed in the blood of the Lamb? So Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, we're going to find out what that means. Revelation 1 and 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us, this is the part I want to get to, y'all, from our sins in his own blood. So what does this mean? Washed us from our sins in his own blood. So let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to start at verse 27. 
And we already read this. This is already in the class, but we got to come back here to get some important pieces pertaining to uh, being washed in the blood of, of Christ. So Matthew 26, verse 27, and it reads, and he took the cup, and this is the Last Supper, y'all, what they call the Last Supper anyway. It was the Last Supper that Christ had with the disciples, but this was Pat, the Passover Supper, the Passover dinner. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink, ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament. So the Last Supper, the wine, the Passover meal in which we drink the wine, that's symbolic of Christ's blood. Hope everybody's seeing this. Verse 28 again. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So the wine was being used symbolically for what was to come because Christ was not dead yet, but he was telling the, his disciples that that wine that was in their cup, they was drinking for the Passover meal, the Passover ceremony, was going to be his blood that he shed for Israel so that we might be forgiven for our sins. Verse 29, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now he's going back to the wine is actually being wine. But the verse before that was symbolic for his blood. Now let's get that. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 9 and verse 11. We got to unpack it. We're going to be in Hebrews quite a bit too, y'all. So Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, and it reads, But Christ being, being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. So he's talking about the tabernacle that was in the wilderness, and then we would go on to build a tabernacle that uh, Solomon built, Solomon's temple, in honor of the Most High, where we used to praise the Most High, the temple that's been destroyed countless times throughout history. But it's talking about Christ, and Christ was going to be that ultimate, that ultimate temple, the ultimate thing of worship. That's why it says not built with hands. Now, listen to this part. It's what I want to get to. It says, neither by the blood of goats and calves. So all this, everything he's referring to is in the Old Testament. But once again, if you just pick up the Bible, that half a Bible that's got Psalms, Proverbs, and the New Testament, you'll be completely lost, man. Don't listen to them clowns telling you that you ain't got to read the Old Testament. Man, you're going to miss out on a lot of valuable information. But he's, go, he's talk, saying all of these things that we're not going to do these things anymore, including what? Water baptism. <laughs> including water baptism. All right, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us all. For if the blood of bulls and of goats 
and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purging your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So not your body, but your conscience. Now, we're definitely going to unpack what he was talking about in, in verse 12, verse 13. All right. So let's hold this, and let's go to Leviticus chapter 8. Get my book. Leviticus chapter 8. Leviticus chapter 8, and we're going to start at, let's start at verse 1. Matter of fact, y'all, we're going to jump, and we're going to read quite a bit of this chapter. So Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 1. Now remember, we're coming here from what we just read in Hebrews. Matter of fact, let me get it one more game before we go to Leviticus. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkle the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. Now, he's referring to Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons, sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and the bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. All right, now let's, Master, let's keep reading. And gather thou all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. What congregation? It's talking about the Israelites. The word congregation means a gathering of people. This is where the word church comes from. Verse 4, And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now let's jump down to verse 13, get to the point. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and put coats upon them and girded them with girdles and put bonnets upon them as the Lord commanded Moses. So he put hats on, known as bonnets. Read on, verse 14. And he brought the bullock for the sin offerings, and, and his son laid their hands upon the head of the bullocks for the sin offering. So what was brought? Bullocks, a bull. Remember, it talked about, talked about that in Hebrews. We just read it. And this is for a sin offering. Read on, verse 15. And he slew it. So what did he do with this bull? He killed it. And Moses took the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar round about with his fingers. So Moses took that blood. And once again, in Hebrews, it talks about Christ's blood. 
And we're dealing with the blood, being washed in the blood of the lamb, right? So here it's talking about the blood being put on the altar, this blood of this bull being put on the altar, round about with his fingers, and purified the altar. What did he do for the altar? Purified the, the altar. The word purify means to clean. So how is some blood cleaning up the altar? This was symbolic. Once again, Christ's blood being symbolic for cleaning us up. You know, and purify the altar and pour the blood at the bottom of the altar and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. What reconciliation? What does the word reconcile mean? It means to be forgiven. It means to be reconciled back to the Most High. This is the purpose of the animals being killed and the blood being used to purify us so the Most High will forgive us of our sins. No different than Christ dying and his blood being shed so we might be forgiven for our sins, y'all. We know. And he took all the fat inwards and the call above the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and Moses's and Moses burnt it upon the altar. But the bullock and his hide, his flesh and his dung, he burnt with fire without the camp. And the Lord commanded Moses and he brought the ram for the burnt offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram and he killed it. So First, they brought a bull. Now they're bringing the ram. The same process. And Moses sprinkled, listen to this, and Moses, I'm sorry, and he killed it, and Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. Once again, blood is being used. Y'all see this, bro? I hope y'all seeing this. And he cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burnt the head and the pieces, and the fat. And he washed the inwards and the legs in water, and Moses burnt the whole ram upon the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. So this is what it's talking about in Hebrews. This is what we used to do. But it was telling us in Hebrews, we ain't going to do that no more because Christ was a better sacrifice than these animals. Read on verse 22. And he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration. Consecration is one of the definitions for baptism, of being set apart for something. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram, and he slew it. And Moses took of the blood of it, listen to this, and put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear. <laughs> I hope y'all listen. So Moses took this blood that came from these animals and put it on Aaron's right ear. Why is he putting blood on, on Aaron? Remember, once again, this is for purification so we might be forgiven for our sins. This was the process. This was the thing that had to happen. It had to be done with some blood. The sacrifice had to be a blood sacrifice. I hope y'all understanding this. And people joke loosely about this. We're not even joking no more, but it's coming to the forefront how they be doing these blood sacrifices in Hollywood. Rightly so. 
I'm not condoning. I ain't saying it's right, but think about it. They serve Satan, and what does Satan require? A blood sacrifice. No different than our God, the Most High, required what? A blood sacrifice. This is why we was killing animals, putting blood all over the place. That was a blood sacrifice. This is Christ. Christ dying for His nation, for the nation of Israel, was a blood sacrifice. Hope y'all seeing this. Anyway, reading on. Matter of fact, what was that? Verse twenty-one. And he washed the inward parts, the inwards, and the legs in water. And Moses burnt the whole ram upon the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram, and he slew it. And Moses took the blood of it and put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his foot. Y'all see this, right? And he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put put of the blood upon the tip of their right ear and upon the thumbs of their right hands and upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. Verse 25. And he took the fat and the rumps and all the fat that was upon the inwards and the call above the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and their and their right shoulder. All right, let me jump down. I want to read all of this. Just get through the important parts. Um, let me read. Matter of fact, let's jump. Let's jump down to verse 33. And ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days until the days of your consecration, your what? Baptism, your purification, you being purified, be at the end. For the seven days shall for seven days shall he consecrate you means separate you for what for a specific purpose for you to be cleaned clean clean from your sins by where the most high verse 34 and he had done this done this day so the lord had commanded to do to make an atonement for you an atonement is being forgiven forgiven for our sins verse 35 Therefore shall he abide at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night, seven days, and keep the charge of the Lord that ye die not. For so I am commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all things which the Lord commanded commanded by the hand of Moses. But what I want us to get from that is the blood that was being used. The sacrifice was a blood sacrifice. All right, I hope you all are getting that. All right, give me just a second. I got to take a quick pause. Be right back.
right, y'all. Sorry about that. I am back. <clears throat> All right, let's go to Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to read verse uh, 12 again. Then we're going to jump again. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood that he saw by Christ, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So this is what Christ brought, eternal redemption, that we, be, we would be forgiven. We would have a way back to the Most High forever, all right, through that one sacrifice. But the sacrifices that I just read about in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus chapter uh, 11, I'm sorry, chapter 8, this was continual. We would do this all the time as well as the sacrifices that uh, were done in Numbers, the 28th chapter. We do those daily. But it's letting us know that Christ was going to be that sacrifice, that blood sacrifice that would only have to happen one time, one time, and that his sacrifice would be more valuable than those animals, would be more respectful than those animals, would be more powerful than those animals because an actual man had to die, not an animal. It says, verse 13, it says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of and, and the ashes of an heifer sprinkle the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Because that's what the animals were supposed to do, purge our conscience. But that didn't work. It wasn't working. And let's go to Numbers chapter 19 and verse 2 and get some more of this, this animal sacrifice stuff. Still dealing with the blood, y'all. Numbers chapter 19. <clears throat> and we're going to start at verse 1, y'all. Got a text coming in. So give me a second. Y'all. All right, y'all. So remember chapter 19, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance. The word ordinance means order. So this is the order of the law which the Lord had commanded. Say, saying, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer. <laughs> a heifer is a cow, y'all. It says, without spot, whew, wherein is no blemish and upon which never came yoke, meaning this ox had nothing wrong with it. It didn't have no funny-looking spots on it. It wasn't... Um, the form to where it had a, 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 little, a short toe, a little baby toe, or it had the, uh, I remember Mike Epps did that, that, uh, comedic, that comedic uh, routine years ago. We were talking about the dude had a little short arm, and he was singing, Baby, I really want to love you. <laughs> he had the baby arm, a little short arm. <laughs> Sorry, you do. I tell you how we crack it up. <laughs> but <laughs> this cow was not a deformed, ill-formed cow, man. And it's crazy that the Most High would even have to give us these instructions. 
But this is this is how damn wicked we are. And this is how you know he's dealing with black and brown people, man. So we had livestock galore, but we don't want. When do we ever want to give our best? <laughs> like we just, I'm just gonna give you the best that I got. Nah, man, that ain't us. We we don't. I give you a little something. I give you a little something. Something. I give I give you the old. Uh, the old heifer that's in there that's all ran down, she did did uh she's past her prime, she's past all the, the all her hard labor days. I'll give you that one, you can have that one, cause that ain't valuable to me no more. The most high told us to give us our, to to give him our best. No spot, no blemish, it says upon which never came yoke. Meaning that this heifer, this female cow, she never had no, had no work. She never went to work. That was not her purpose. You couldn't get nothing out of her. She was set aside specifically for the Most High's blood sacrifice. Reading on, and ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her. Before his face And Eleazar the priest Shall take of her blood With his finger And sprinkle of her blood Directly before the tabernacle Of the congregation Seven times Y'all see this once again Blood sacrifice Now this heifer She had to not have spot She had to not have blemish And she couldn't be uh, Overworked or worked at all she had to be pure. Reminds you anybody? Let's, let's go back there. Come on, let me let it go. Let's go, go back to Hebrews chapter nine, y'all. We piecing this together. What we're reading in the Old Testament goes hand in hand with Hebrews chapter nine. We're gonna read verse thirteen again. In the verse 14, it says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of hat and of ash and the ashes of, of an heifer sprinkle the unclean, sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, because this is what all this is what those blood sacrifices were supposed to do. <laughs> it was to purify the flesh. I hope y'all seeing this. That blood was to purify the flesh, but as well as the conscience. But we didn't get the conscious part. What we was doing was, like I said, we had livestock galore, so we figured, hey, ain't no big deal to, to sin because I got a thousand heifers back there. Or I got a thousand uh, calves over there. So it's no big deal. So a uh, uh, calf got to die because I won't uh, stop fornicating. Uh, a sheep, a sheep got to get murked because I won't stop committing adultery. Oh, oh uh, uh, a heifer got to die. A bull got to die because I won't keep the dietary law. No big deal. So we didn't develop a conscience. This is why I'm saying this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 again. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctified to purifying of the flesh, listen to this, verse 14, how much more? Shall the blood of Christ, 
who through eternal spirit offered himself without spot. What does it mean without spot? He was perfect. Yahweh Christ was perfect. He did not sin. Out of the 630-some laws, Christ didn't break none of them. He was absolutely perfect. He was a perfect man, a just man. So it's asking us if those bulls and those animal sacrifices purify the flesh, then how much more is Christ supposed to purify our conscience? It says, without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Because an actual man, a man that was pure, that was perfect, that had no spot, no blemish, that couldn't be blamed for nothing, he had to die because we couldn't get it right. That That's supposed to purge our conscience, purge our thought process. I hope everybody's seeing this. And it says, purge your conscience from dead works. What's the dead works? The stuff that you keep doing over and over again. You got, you got to keep getting counseled about the same thing you did a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, days ago. You know you have this spiritual deficiency, but you just keep doing it. You know you have this spiritual hang-up, but you just can't shake it. And when the book is presented before you, you're denying it. You're pushing it away. You're saying, you, you, you know what, you like that, that drug addict or that alcoholic saying, oh, you know what, I drink or, or, or I, I smoke crack every now and then, but I ain't got no problem. You know what, um, I smoke meth every now and again, but I ain't got no issue. You know, I shoot heroin in my toes, but I ain't that bad. I ain't really got a problem. This is what we be doing. This is exactly what we be doing. Now we're going to stay in Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to jump up to verse 1. It says, Then verily the first covenant, the word covenant means contract, Verily, then verily the first covenant had also ordinances, of divine service and worldly sanctuaries. The word ordinances means order. So it had the it had ordinances or orders of divine service and worldly sanctuary. Once again, the tabernacle, then Solomon's temple. Reading on verse two. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick, so the menorah, it says, and the table, and the shoe bread, which is called the sanctuary, right? That's what we used to sacrifice. This is what we just read about in Numbers chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 8. This is where all those uh, sacrifices were done in that sanctuary, in that tabernacle, which was the tent when we was traveling before we got our land. Verse 3, and after the second veil, the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. I'm sorry, the Holy of All. So let's go let's go to Exodus chapter 40 and verse 3 and get what he's talking about right here. Exodus 40 and 3. <clears throat> Cuz this veil only the priests could go behind this veil. 
in the bookmark. Exodus 40 and 3. And thou shalt put there, matter of fact, let me just start at verse 1. Exodus 41. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. So, once again, as I was talking about, as we were in the wilderness. And thou shalt put therein the ark of this testimony. So, the commandments. It says, And cover the ark with the veil. This is the veil that he's talking about in Hebrews. And thou shalt bring in bring in the table and set in order the things that are to be set up in order upon it. This is what it's talking about in Hebrews also. It says, and thou shalt bring in the candlesticks and the light and the lamps thereof. I hope y'all seeing how the old and the new go hand in hand, man. So going back to uh, Hebrews chapter 9. And we're going to read verse, let's go to verse 2 again. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlesticks, we just read about that, and the table and the shoe bread, which is called the sanctuary, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Reading on, it says, um, which had the golden censers and the ark of the covenant, Overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna. Remember the manna that we got when we was in the wilderness? It could be anything you wanted it to be. It says, an Aaron's rod that budded. Also, Aaron's rod. All of this was in the uh, the ark, the ark of the covenant. You know, and they, if you don't know, man, then you don't know. But they've made so many movies. About the uh, the Ark of the Most High, specifically uh, Indiana Jones movies, because y'all remember one of them was titled The Ark of the Covenant, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. They were looking for the Most High's Ark. This is a treasure, and once again, and I, I said this in my uh, Hanukkah class that they're grave robbers or temple robbers. They're known, uh, they go up under the name now as archaeologists, man, but they thieves. Here's what they was looking for. But we know that, uh, I believe it was Jeremiah, it was Jeremiah, he said he hid it in a cave. He hid the Ark of the Covenant in a cave. But anyway, this is what it's talking about. Verse 5, and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now be which we cannot now speak particularly verse 6 now when these things were thus ordained the priests went always into the first tabernacle according to the service of God and he did verse 7 but into the second went the high priest Alone, so yeah, the priest priest could go in the first one, but it was a second veil, a second covering that divided the people from the Most High. It says, "But into the second went the high priest alone once every year." So how often every year? 
it says not without blood. So when he went to that second veil, he had to have what with him? A blood sacrifice for the most high. And how often was this done? Every year. But remember, once again, in the same chapter, Christ had to do this one time. One time for the sins of all of Israel. But we were doing this yearly and daily. It says, which he offered for himself and for the error of the people. Hope everybody's seeing this. Now let's get there. Let's get, get Exodus chapter 30 and verse 10 now. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 10. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Now, we already read that in Hebrews chapter 9, that what what was the high priest going to do? And Aaron was a high priest. He was going to be, go beyond that second veil, the blood sacrifice, and he was going to make an atonement. How often? Year by year. It says, once in the year shall he make an atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. Once again, that blood sacrifice. I hope y'all seeing this. Why is this important? Because we no longer have to do that. Because Christ was that sacrifice that was supposed to give us a conscience that an innocent man had to die for our sins. And it's only through him, only through him, that we can be forgiven if we believe and follow the instructions of the Most High, if we repent, which means to change. Then will be purified or baptized in his sacrifice, which is his blood. Hope everybody's seeing this. Now, let's get some more on the symbolism being used, Christ being that sacrifice. Let's go to uh, St. John chapter 1 and verse 29. St. John chapter 1 and verse 29, and it reads, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So here we see Christ is being referred to the Lamb. Because y'all remember, what would we have to sacrifice to the Most High to be forgiven for our sins? We would have to sacrifice animals by way of a lamb. And we're going to find out. Matter of fact, I ain't going to blow it. I'm just going to keep going. Let's get Revelations uh, 21 and verse 14. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 14, and it reads, And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. So this is talking about the kingdom, y'all. 
It says that in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Who's that Lamb once again? This is talking about Christ. It's talking about Yahweh Shai. He's also known as the Lamb. Revelations 21 and 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did light it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Christ, once again, being referred to as what? As the Lamb. I hope everybody's seeing this. Now let's go back to uh, St. John chapter 1. We're going to read verse 29 again. Then the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, taken away the sin of the world. Now remember, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, let's read it again. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, Offer himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And once again, going back to the Old Testament, when we offered up these animals, they had to be without spot and without blemish. And Christ was without spot and without blemish, and Christ was also known as what? The Lamb of God. But we read in uh, St. John chapter 1, verse 29, we read it again. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, I, I can hear people's people mind going, because they say, Oh, see, it's the sin of the world. Tons of problems. You keep talking about the Israelites. Let's clear it up. Let's go to Isaiah now. Go to Isaiah chapter 45. And we're going to start at verse 14. Because Christ did die for the sins of the world. <laughs> so Isaiah chapter 45, verse 14. Thus said the Lord, the labor of Egypt and merchants of Ethiopia. So Egypt, foreign nation. Ethiopia, foreign nation. And of the Sabines, the Sabines of the Arabs. These are Ishmael's, another foreign nation. It says, men of statue shall come over unto thee, unto us, because this is a prophecy that Isaiah is saying, and they shall be thine. Meaning what? That these nations are going to belong to us. They shall come after thee, listen to this, in chains. Did y'all hear that? I'm going to read it again. They shall come after thee in chains. My question is, how how did Christ die for the whole world to be saved? But here we find out that these nations are going to come after us, but they're going to be in chains. Anyway, read on. Let me get to the point. They shall come over, and they shall fall down unto thee. They shall make Supplications, the word supplication means request, unto thee, saying, Surely God is in thee, and there is none else. There is no God. Meaning what? That their, their paganism, 
the gods they believe in, they're going to confess in this day that they ain't got nothing on our God, on the Most High. Verse 15. Verily thou art a God that hideth, that hideth thyself. O God of Israel, the Savior. So if he's the God of Israel, then who is he going to be the Savior of? Israel. So who did Christ die? The world, die for the world of Israel. But it's going to prove it. Let me keep reading. They shall be ashamed and also confounded, all of them. They shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols, the other nations, all of them, idolaters. Verse 17, getting to the point. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. So what world is Christ going to die for? For the world of Israel. I hope everybody seeing this, let's keep proving this, I'm a little bit off topic, but I got I got to clear this up, man, so everybody can see this clearly. Because everything we're talking about from uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and going on to the Old Testament, Old Testament to New, is pertaining to the Israelites. It ain't pertaining to the other nations. Got to clear this up. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. This is why this says this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, the she is Christ's mother Mary, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why is his name going to be called Jesus? For he shall save his people, his people, from their sins. It didn't say all people, it said his people. And the baby was going to be called Jesus because the word Jesus means he who saves, Savior. I hope everybody's seeing this. First John 4 and 3. We're going to get back on topic, y'all. I just got to clear this up. First John chapter 4, verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist. So if you don't believe that Christ actually came in the flesh and that he was a man, because a lot of people say, oh, well, he was a spirit. No, he was not a spirit. You know, just like you got, you know, Jenkins running around talking about pulling that scripture in St. John chapter 4, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, trying to denote God's color, his nationality, and who his people are. But Christ actually came in the flesh. He came in the flesh, which means what? He had a nationality. He had a nationality, then he had a people. So when you read scripture like we just read in Matthew 1, 21, that he shall save his people, it's talking about his nationality. Read it, read it on. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. So when you get somebody talking about Christ was the spirit, he don't have a people, he died for everybody, that's the spirit of Antichrist. It says, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. It's that spirit of antichrist, it was in the world way back at John's time, is still in the world now. 
to where you have people saying he died for everyone when that is not the case. All right, let's get back on topic now. Let's go to St. John 129. Again. I just had to clear that up because I just, I just heard people's minds uh, when they heard that word world. So uh, St. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And we know that that world being Israel, and we can prove that. Because once again, Christ was known as what? The Lamb. It says it in the Scripture. Now, let's get why this is significant. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, we're going to start at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them, every man, a lamb. Y'all hear this? A lamb, according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for a house. Now, what was Christ known as? St. John 1 and 29? As the lamb of, the, of God. Y'all remember that, right? Showing how this is symbolic. And we know that Christ was their ultimate sacrifice. So here's the Most High telling us, before we left Egypt, this is the Exodus, right? This is the Passover, to take this lamb, verse 4. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your, should make your account for the lamb. Your lamb... Listen to this, y'all. Shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. But remember, this lamb was going to be what? Without blemish. Like who else was without blemish, without fault, pure? Christ, y'all. I hope y'all seeing this. Hold this. Let's get First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen. First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, the redeemed means to be saved or recompensed back to the Most High. It says we were not recompensed back to the Most High with corruptible things. Now read, I'm listening to this, as silver and gold. 
from your vain conversation received by tradition from from your fathers because it was all about uh, money. It was all about prestige, and it was all about tradition with our fathers, such as what? The water baptism. That came from our forefathers. Verse 19, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I hope y'all seeing this. Let's go back to Exodus now, chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 5 again. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep, far from the goats. Y'all hear this, right? Reading on, verse 6. And ye shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel in the evening. And they shall take of the blood, and this blood is again, and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. Now, once again, this lamb is a sacrificial lamb being offered up to the Most High as what? A blood sacrifice. Man, I hope y'all are seeing this. Verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire and with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, nor roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. Now listen to this. It is the Lord's Passover. I hope everybody is seeing this. So so the Passover meal (laughs) consisted of a lamb without blemish. I hope y'all seeing that. And then after we slaughtered this this lamb, we would have to put this lamb's blood on this doorpost. And what would happen? The angel of death would pass over these houses that had that blood on their posts. I hope y'all seeing how this is symbolic. Now let's get First Corinthians chapter five now. First Corinthians chapter five, let's start at verse six. Your glorying is not good. And this is Paul speaking to the brothers that was at Corinth. Know ye not that a little leaven leavened the whole lump. So he's let letting us know <laughs> that a little bit of wickedness messes all messes the whole thing up. Verse 7, purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. And this is Paul once again using things that were familiar too. 
Because Paul knew we knew about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We knew about Passover, which happens on the same day or the same night. So he said, man, purge this leaven out. Now, if you go back and do some research, you'll see that the Egyptians, they would use leaven, leaven as a starting agent for the bread to rise quicker. But the process of leaven is you would get a piece of the old bread. It's actually called sourdough. And this sourdough, it's, it's nothing, like I said, old bread. It would be full of fungus and all kind of bacteria would help the bread rise quicker. But the Most High, during the Passover, told us he didn't want us to have no bread with no leaven in it. First of all, we didn't have time. Secondly, he wanted us to do, he wanted us to do something new, something different that we weren't used to doing. And he didn't want any of the old ways of Egypt in our spirit. That's why he said, don't put no leaven in that bread. Don't put no bacteria, no filth, no germs in, in, in the bread. I'm going to make you a new lump. This is what Paul's talking about here. Going back to First uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 again. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavened the whole lump. So a little bit of the old way, a little bit of, of you, because that's what people, that's what a lot of brothers and sisters say uh, when they get the truth dropped on them and they really commit, I don't recognize myself no more. <laughs> you ain't supposed to recognize yourself no more. You're being made into a new lump. But when you start trying to add a little piece of you and bring it into the truth, then it's going to mess your whole spirit up. Verse 7, purge out therefore the old leaven, the old you your old corner ways, your old way of operating, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, listen to this, our Passover is sacrificed for us. I hope y'all are seeing this. So the Passover meal was done in honor of who? Christ. No different than Christ celebrated what's known as the Last Supper with the disciples, and he offered his blood up by way of that wine that was symbolic for his blood. It's the same thing. But I hope we're seeing this because without a blood sacrifice, we couldn't be forgiven for our sins. But this blood sacrifice was the ultimate blood sacrifice because it only had to be offered up one time, not year by year like those bulls and bullocks. And this is what it means to be truly baptized in the blood of Yahweh Shai, man, to truly believe in this, to truly embrace it, and like uh, John the Baptist said, the remission of sins, man, so you might change. The baptism of repentance, verse 8, therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, not with the old you, not with your old corner ways, your old corner thoughts, your old way of moving. It says, neither with the leaven of malice, meaning what? You ain't sincere. You faking. Them fake shaloms, them fake salutes, them fake hugs. Brothers, get me with that too, man. You ever had a brother hit you with the, he, he dap you up. 
And then you go you go to, to bring the hug in and his arm is right there blocking you. <laughs> or you might give a brother some dap and try you know how you how you dap a brother up and you bring him in for that hug and brother got his arm right there. Like nigga, no, nah, I don't want you that close to me. Yeah, brothers be doing this, man. <laughs> but that's that's malice. What did Christ say? He said, you should know a tree by the fruit it bears. So your behavior is a tattletale sign to show people whether or not you're sincere, man. And remember what the Most High says in, what is it, uh, Jeremiah 17? He said he tries the reins. The Most High knows what's in your heart. He know you ain't sincere. He know you faking. He know you really ain't about the brother. He know you selfish as hell and you only care about yourself. This is what Paul is talking about. I'll read it again. First Corinthians chapter five, verse eight. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Be sincere, man. It says, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Be sincere. Be authentic, man. Don't be fake as hell. You smiling in brothers' faces, but behind their back you're talking about. Them. Behind their back you got nothing but contempt for them. You got too much of that going on. And guess what? Ain't no water going to stop you from behaving that way. Ain't no amount. I don't, you can get dumped in, in the... Damn Atlantic Ocean. Matter of fact, we down here in Texas. You get dumped in the Gulf Coast in the name of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Still going to be a dirty nigga spiritually. Your conscience still going to be dirty. You still going to be operating the way you was operating. That ain't going to change you. That's not going to give you a different conscience or a different outlook. The only thing that gives us a different conscience or a different outlook of things is the Bible, man. It's the most high's words. All right, y'all. Let's go back to uh, Exodus chapter 12 now. Let me put a bookmark here, too. <clears throat> I hope y'all are seeing that Christ is our Passover, like the scripture just said. Exodus chapter 12, we'll read in verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Like, like the scripture I read earlier, showing that the nations are pagans. The Egyptians was no different. And the, the uh, ten plagues the Most High sent was a direct attack on all they gods. Reading on, getting to the point. Um, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein ye are. So we read, here it is. What saved us then in Egypt from the angel of death? The blood. What saves us now? The blood of the lamb. 
the blood of the lamb saved us then, the blood of the lamb is what's going to save us now. It says, and when, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep a feast by an ordinance or order forever. So how long are we, we supposed to be uh, doing Passover? Forever. <laughs> he said throughout your generation. He said and forever. So I don't know where some brothers get this nonsense from. We don't got to keep the Passover no more. We ain't got to keep the law no more. He said forever. Hope y'all seeing this. Verse 15. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. First day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leaven bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off. From Israel, so we get into the leavened bread now. Verse sixteen, and in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. Verse seventeen, and ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day. Have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt? Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. So how long, we, once again, how long are we supposed to be uh, commemorating Passover, the blood of the lamb, forever? Because it saved us then, and what's going to save us now? The blood of the lamb. Hope you all see that. Let's go back to uh, Matthew 26. And we're going to start at verse 1. Matthew chapter 26, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. So did Christ celebrate the Passover? Yes. He's talking about it here. Verse 3. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas. And consulted that they might take Jesus by I'm sorry by subtlety or subtlety and kill him, but they said not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. And we're gonna jump. Let's jump down to verse 26. So this was Passover. The the uh, Pharisees, the scribes, all our leaders at the time was coming against Christ because they didn't want uh, their rank or their position being took because everybody was believing in Christ. So they was hating on Christ and plotting to kill him. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it 
and break it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my, once again, see the symbolism? Verse 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament. So once again, his blood, the lamb's blood, saved us in Egypt. His blood is saving us now. This is what he's telling his disciples. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. So in order to be forgiven, we have to partake in. That's why he said drink up. We have to have his blood like like Aaron, like Moses would put the blood on Aaron, put the blood on Aaron's son so they could have the blood on them. We got to have Christ's blood on us. And Christ's blood is what? Like Christ said, he said, I'm the way, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How did Christ operate as far as him dealing with the Father? He used the scriptures. When Satan came and tempted him, I got that what, last week? What did he use to get Satan to back Satan up off of him, to get those thoughts about his mind? He used the scriptures. So what must we be using? The scriptures, the blood of the Lamb. All right, let's get 1 Corinthians chapter 11 now. And we're going to read verse 23. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. We just read this in the Gospels. This is the Passover. And this is what he said, Take and do this in remembrance of me. Now listen to this, verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament. In my blood, listen to this, in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye Drink it in remembrance of me. So what he's saying is every time y'all come together, every year in the springtime, to celebrate Passover, the lamb, the lamb blood saving us out of Egypt, <laughs> then I, when y'all eat y'all bread and toast y'all cups, I want y'all to remember me and what I did for y'all and what I continue to do for y'all by y'all being forgiven us being forgiven by the blood of Yahweh Shah. So we're supposed to be mindful of this every year, but not just every year, daily. Daily. Let me get to that. Verse 26. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this, eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. 
So what does he mean? They're going to be guilty if they do it unworthily. This means not being sincere, man. You being that fab, that fake blank brother, you can fill in the blank, or sister for that matter, you're not being sincere. Now let's get this. We talk about you drinking unworthily. It says, and shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. What is he talking about being guilty? Let's get Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, meaning you got taught. You got taught about the blood of the Lamb. You got taught what the baptism really is. You got taught and you were supposed to repent. You weren't supposed to go back to your old ways. I'm going to read this again, Hebrews 6 and 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy Ghost once again, y'all? It's the word of the Most High. Y'all can cite St. John chapter 14, verse 26, St. John chapter 15, verse 26, St. John chapter 17, verse 17. All those scriptures tell you what the Holy Ghost is. So after you were a partaker of the word of the Bible, you started living your life right, verse 5, and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the world to come. This is part I want to get to. This is the part where you're going to be held guilty. If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. So person comes in, they change their whole life around. Some go down in the camp, they get offended, they leave. It says if they fall away, it is going to be impossible to renew them again unto repentance, which means change. Meaning it's going to be impossible to get this person to change again. That's what it's saying. But why? Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh. Meaning what? You put Christ on the cross all over again. You put Christ back up on the cross and had him die for your sins that you keep committing over and over and over again. You're playing with the most high at this point. It says, to, uh, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. How is Christ being put to an open shame? Because you're mocking what he died for. And this is why the people in the church talking about uh, this, the law is done away with makes no sense at all. Because Christ died so we could be forgiven for sins, not so we could keep sinning. But if you go on and you keep breaking God's laws, then you put Christ back on the cross all over again. And Christ has no, or you have no conscience of an innocent man dying for your sins. You think it's your get-out-of-jail-free card. You can just do what you want to do. You might as well be reading uh, Alistair Crowley's book, 
do as thy will. For the book of YOLO. Hold this. Let's get First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. First Timothy chapter four and verse First oh, Timothy chapter four verse one. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, no doubt, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The seducing spirit is you. It's the unsincere you. It's the old nigga you that refused to change. This is why you look up and a brother or sister be gone. Because they still got too much of themselves they trying to hold on to, like it says in Corinthians. They holding on to that leaven. And it leavens the whole lump. It says seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. A doctrine is a way of doing things or a way of life. But that doctrine you holding on holding on to is the old you. That's the old way you keep gripping on to don't want to let go. You you like Charles and Hessens with with a damn rifle uh, over my dead body. I won't let my bad habits go. Even though I know they're ruining my relationships with the Most High and Yahweh Shah, and they're ruining ruining the relationships with the people around me, to where they don't want to deal with me no more. Cause I'm not sincere, or I won't change. I'm prickly. I'm hard to get along with. I'm just disagreeable. Verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Yeah, and what's the lie? Oh, I ain't that bad. Oh, you know, and then they try to pull the scripture. Oh, you know, a just man falls seven times. <laughs> As an excuse for them not to change. Oh, ain't nobody going to change on your time. Thinking that it's, it's about us, and it ain't. It's about Christ. Christ said he's coming like a thief in the night. If he, if we know he's coming like a thief in the night, then what makes us think we got all this time? Somebody breaking in your house, you ain't prepared for that. What makes us think we have all this time if he's coming unexpectedly? Verse 2 again, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their, this is the part I want to get to, having their conscience seared, with a hot iron. What does this mean? You can show me every scripture in the book, but I'm not going to change. I can study all I want to, but it just ain't going to penetrate. At this point, I don't have no conscience of Christ dying for me. I don't have no conscience of what I'm doing is wrong. Ain't no shame in my game. Then I go to church and listen to them clowns tell you what? Jesus loves you no matter what. Come as you are. Or as long as you confess and get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you can get to heaven. It ain't that easy. But you believe that madness because your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. You have no conscience of the Most High. You have no conscience of your Holy Child dying so that you might change. 
get Hebrews 10, 26. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully, <laughs> after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. What does it mean to sin willfully? I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I keep doing it, thinking that I'm going to just keep getting forgiven for it. You know what this actually could be described as too? Blasphemy. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And remember, that's the only sin Christ said he will not forgive. How is it blasphemy? Because you know better, but you think you get a get-out-of-jail-free card and you can do whatever you want to do, and God loves me no matter what. That's willfully sinning. It says there remains no, there remaining no more sacrifice for sin. So it's like Christ didn't even die for you. you you're irrelevant. You're, you're out of the sheepfold, so to speak. This is the mindset you got. Let's get Galatians. I'm going to speed up a little bit because my time is running short. Uh, Galatians 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And this is this is the, the mindset people are, that be willfully sinning have. They be mocking the most high. But they don't understand this part. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So whatever you put out, the most high gonna give it back to you. Tenfold. A hundredfold. You can't play with the most high. Let's get Proverbs chapter one. You somewhere doing you, and then when things go bad, now I got to pray. Now I got to study. Now I got to apply the scriptures. But you've been doing you the whole time. You trying to use the most high like he's the genie in the bottle? I'm going to rub on this bottle when I need you. Otherwise, I'm going to kick the bottle. Mm-mm. The most high ain't mocked. Proverbs 1 and 20. Wisdom cried without she uttered her voice in the streets. So the wisdom crying without is the most high has been trying to tell you. What's that damn song they got on uh, Color Purple? God is trying to tell you something. The most high has been trying to tell you. By way of your life, look at your life. Look at the decisions, the bad decisions you make and the consequences behind the bad decisions you make. But the whole time, the Bible's been available. The whole time the scriptures have been right here in front of your face. Verse 20 again, wisdom cried without. Meaning what? Ain't nobody paying attention. She uttered her voice in the streets. Meaning what? It's overly available. You can get it. It, You know how many Israelite camps (laughs) it is across the globe? You know how many Bibles? It is in the world. Hell, they got them at everywhere. They at hotels. It's accessible. 
She cried in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she uttered her words, saying, listen to this, to you mockers, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? How long are you going to be stupid? How long are you going to keep doing things your way? How long are you going to keep trying to mock the most high? And the scourgers delight in their scourging. And these be the main people talking about, well, you ain't got to follow every last scripture. You ain't got to do everything the Bible says to do. Well, I know I'm off, but, or I know the Bible says this, but, and fools hate knowledge. These are the people that be making these statements. I know the scripture says this, but I feel, I feel, I feel, I think, turn you in my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. This is the most high saying, pleading with us. I will make known my words unto you, which he has, by way of the scriptures, the baptism, because I have called and ye refuse. What does the most high say? I have called and ye refuse. I've been trying to get your attention. But you keep ignoring me. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. The Bible been here the whole time. And because of this, because we ain't trying to hear it, we ain't trying to implement the scriptures, apply the scriptures, verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamities. So when bad things happen, when you ended up in some sticky situations, with some unfortunate situations, the Most High is laughing at you. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, meaning what? It's coming from all different directions all of a sudden. When distress and anguish come upon you, listen to this. Then shall they call upon me. Like I said, man, we got this jailhouse mentality. And I say jailhouse mentality because everybody goes to jail seems to find the Lord, right? <laughs> I want to give you scriptures when they when they call. And you have a collect call from Tyrone. <laughs> they want to hit you with some scriptures then. This is the only time our people will listen when something bad happens. It says, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. That that right there is scary. That should make the, the hair on the back of your neck stand up to where you're praying to the most high and he ain't, he's ignoring you. It's like he's got his, his uh, ear pods on and he's he jamming. And ain't trying to hear you. And he's the only one that can help you out of the situation. That's a scary feeling. To have the most high literally turn his back on you, that's a real scary feeling, man. I wouldn't want to leave the house. Read this again, verse 28. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early but they shall not find me. This most high say he's going to hide. When we need him the most, he's going to hide. And some people might hear this and say, oh, that's a cool, not my God, not my Jesus. 
Well, he ain't your God, he ain't your Jesus, because he is just. Because remember, verse 20, he said he's been offering his instructions to us, but we keep rejecting them. When we come to him when we really need him, he's going to reject us. Like the scripture we just read in Galatians 6 and 7, be, be not deceived, the most high is not mocked, what a man reaps, or what a man sow, he shall also reap. So that, that's it, y'all. That's the 62nd uh, mark. I, I finally finished this class. That's how you howl. All praises to the Most High by Shem Uh The water for everybody tuning in, uh, everybody support. And if you got any questions concerning this class or any other topic, and please keep y'all questions coming, man. Hit me up at 314-482-9110. The water machado for hooking up the broadcast. I see you on here, brother. Uh, keep the questions coming in, y'all, and keep supporting uh, Blog Talk Radio. I'm gonna sign off now, man. Until next uh, week, Lord willing, we gonna say shalom.